Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Doing good? All right. Some of you sound all right. Yeah, I think it's all right. Good. Hey, my name's Robert, by the way. I get the privilege of being the pastor here, and we're so honored to have you here with us today. And again, if you're here with us for the first time, let us know who you are. We just love to say thanks. Be sure you pick up a first-time gift bag as you go out the door today. It's just one of the ways that we can say thank you for being here. It has some information and some candy and some all that kind of stuff in there. And uh, so uh, you can share it within your car. Or if you got multiple kids, we'll give you an extra one so they're not fighting over it, okay? Uh, but we're so glad that you're here this morning. And as Chris said, everybody survived Snowmageddon 24. Uh, you are able to get out of the house this week. Uh, we weren't able to get out until Monday. And so uh, where we live on the, the back road, it was about, uh, you know, probably about eight inches thick of ice, you know, back there. So took a little time to thaw out, but I'm glad to be out and about. Missed you guys last week. So glad to see you guys here today. So we're going to kick off and we're going to get started on a couple of things. But before we do that, I want to remind you of some stuff that is going to be transpiring and taking place. Uh, Stepping Stones, if you signed up to take Stepping Stones, you've been watching the videos over the last couple of weeks. We're going to meet, physically meet, this coming Wednesday night and finish that up the third session. And then we'll answer any questions, help you get plugged in, all that kind of stuff. If you're new to Milestone and you're looking to get connected and you want to find out who we are, what we're about, why we do what we do, then you want to sign up for Stepping Stones. And there's a couple of ways that you can do that. Chris talked about the Church Center app that we have. It's just an app that you download on your phone, whether you have iPhone or Android. Uh, you find the Church Center app. And then once you start to do that, then you will be able to, it'll pull up a location, Milestone Church, Oak Ridge. You click that, and then you can kind of put some information there. And then that is kind of the hub of how you stay connected to everything that's happening, taking place here at Milestone Church. It has our groups. It has our registration events that are coming up, things like our marriage retreat that's taking place on April the 18th through the 20th at Pigeon Forge at Hidden Mountain Resort. You get your own luxury cabin, you and your spouse. It's a great time to get away. We have so much fun. We always have a fun night planned on Friday or that Thursday night that we go up there. And so listen, if you can go, listen, do everything you can to make arrangements to do that. I promise you, your marriage will benefit from that. You will have a great time. You'll get connected and you'll make some friends. And so don't miss out on that. All three of our campus attend that. And so it's a lot, a lot of fun. And so I really wanna encourage you to go on that, okay? Um, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Nehemiah. And before we read Nehemiah, I want to welcome everybody that's joining us online. I also want to say happy birthday to my mom, Kathy Jane, that's watching this morning. Give her a round of applause today. Today's her birthday, and she's 71, and, and so uh, I, I love you very much, and I'll see you, and look forward to eating supper over there. So anyway, all good today. And if you had a birthday, man, we congratulate you as well. So Nehemiah chapter 2 is where we're going to be. We started a couple of weeks ago launching this series through the book of Nehemiah. So over the next several weeks, we're just going to be going through the book of Nehemiah. Uh, it's an incredible book. And if you want to read ahead next week, we'll be around chapter 3, chapter 4. And so you can stay with us uh, and stay uh, current on what's happening and taking place. And I really just encourage you to dive in and get in God's Word uh, you know, all the time, uh, every day, make it a point to where that you can find some time to open up God's word, hear from God, because I believe that God wants to speak to us through his word. I believe that God wants to speak to us today. I believe that he has something for each and every one of us this morning. And I pray that this message would serve you well. 
been stirring in my heart the last couple of weeks, and so I look forward to sharing it with you and uh, uh, sharing what God's laid on my heart today. So if you remember week one, which I'm sure you remember everything that I talked about week one a couple of weeks ago, right? I'm sure you guys just wrote it all down and remember every bit of it, but just in case you didn't, just let me remind you from the outside looking in, Nehemiah's life was comfortable. He, he, he is in a great place. Uh, he is part of the king's court, the king of Persia. He is the cupbearer for the king. He has a great job. He's a counselor to the king. By all appearances, he's comfortable. Like when we read in chapter 1, Nehemiah is staying in the winter retreat place in Susa at this time. It's around the month of November, December on our calendar year. But something happened. Nehemiah has some family that's migrated back to Jerusalem. You see, Nehemiah is one of the captives who remained there under the rule of Persia. They had released some of the Israelites, some of the Jews, to go back to Jerusalem because their city had been destroyed. Their city had been leveled. And so Nehemiah's family comes and they have a little family visit, a little powwow, if you will. And they begin to talk about and they begin to share with Nehemiah Here's what's happening. Here's what's taking place. Nehemiah, the walls that were surrounding the city that provided security, right? Man, they're in shambles. They've been burned with fire. They have been destroyed. People are living in ruins. People are discouraged. People are frustrated. People are devastated. People are living as if there is no hope. And when Nehemiah hears this, something ignites within him. I believe this is like a, a, a godly burden that is given to him. It's really a gift. God gives him a burden as he hears this. He begins to visualize all the destruction, all the devastation that's happening around. And he begins to say to, him, say to himself, it should not be that way. Now, we've all seen moments and times, we've all seen situations and circumstances, even within our own lives, we've looked at certain things and we say, it should not be this way. I heard a quote a long time ago, it said that if it could be, then it should be, right? We see certain moments and situations, sometimes it's our personal life, sometimes it's our spiritual life, sometimes it's our family, sometimes it's friends, co-workers, we see the devastation, we see the ruins, and we see that, man, something needs to happen, something needs to be done. Now, there's something unique about Nehemiah, though. Nehemiah doesn't say, I hope somebody does something. That's a terrible, terrible situation. That's what we do oftentimes though, right? When we see things, we are very guarded of our time. We're very guarded of our resources. And a lot of times, like, let's just be honest, like we're not willing to count the cost, right? We know that something needs done, but we're hopeful that somebody else will step in and do it. And Nehemiah does not have that in him. God gives him this burden. And what does Nehemiah begin to do? He doesn't go out and try to manipulate the situation in any circumstance, but he went to the one who has the authority. He went to the one who has the ability to do anything and everything that he desires to do in his timing, in his will, in his way. And he goes to God and he prays and he prays and he cries out to God and he shares his heart and he bears his sin to the Lord. Not only does he pray for his own personal sin, but he prays for the sin that's put the people of Israel in this predicament at this moment and this time, that their city is in ruins, right? Their city is in shambles. And now they're just living here, standing by the wayside, and Nehemiah is broken over this. 
And we talked about how it's important that we're broken, right? When we're broken, then we're in a position to where we're saying, all right, Lord, here I am. I need you. Lord, I need your guidance. I need your direction. I need your leadership. I need your wisdom. Lord, I want to do your will. I want to do it your way. And that's what begins to transpire. But you know what? When we read chapter one, a lot of times, and then we go to chapter two, we think this is just kind of like boom, boom. Nehemiah prays, and then all of a sudden we're going to read what happens in chapter two. But here's what I want you to know. When Nehemiah prays in chapters one, there are four months that take place that are in between chapter two. Because again, chapter two gives us the month that he's talking about. So four months have transpired. So in other words, Nehemiah is in a waiting period. Now, let me ask you this question this morning, okay? Now, listen, if you don't know me, I love you to participate. I tell people all the time, let's just come and have a little church together, okay? Have a good time this morning. Open up God's Word. Hear from heaven today, all right? So when you are in a situation of circumstance, let me ask you this question. How many of you love to wait? Nobody. Man, I'm blown away. Nobody likes to wait. No, I'm not surprised by that at all. We don't like to wait for anything. We don't like to wait for food. We don't like to wait when we have doctor's appointments, things of that nature. We don't like to wait in traffic, right? Have you ever drove to Atlanta like at five o'clock in the afternoon when everybody's getting, along, uh, getting off? Or you drive in Knoxville somewhere, right? And it's just jam-packed. Or maybe you've tried to go to Solway about 4.30 and you're in a hurry, right? And all of a sudden, you just run into this big line of everybody that's exiting out of the plants to go home, right? And you don't like to wait. Waiting makes us uncomfortable. Waiting makes us frustrating. Waiting makes us aggravated at moments and times. We don't like to wait. Some of you this morning, if you're honest, you've been waiting on some things. Some of you here today, like you've been waiting on the Lord. Nehemiah is in a season of waiting. He's praying. He's petitioning the Lord. He's calling out on behalf of the people. He's calling out for God to prepare his heart. But he's in a season of waiting. And listen, some of you may be in a season of waiting this morning. Some of you may have been praying for somebody that you love, somebody that you care for that has walked away from the Lord. And, and man, it's hard for you to watch. You can see the ruins. You can see the devastation. You can see the path that's leading to destruction. And man, you've been praying for them. You're in a season of waiting for God to move on their behalf, to God grab a hold of their heart. Maybe maritally, like you're waiting on the Lord. You've been calling out to God and you've been crying out to God and sharing with Him your heart and your burden for your marriage. And it seems like you're in a season of waiting over and over and over again. Some of you could be a career opportunity, right? You're praying about a job and maybe you've had some interviews and you're looking for that next step. You know, the Lord's leading you in this direction and you're just waiting on the Lord. It's not happening. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. I hate it. Like I despise it. It's like when I have something on my mind, it's got to be done right then. Matter of fact, it should have been done yesterday. Like it drives me insane. Now here's what we often do during a season of waiting. We often try to make things happen in our own strength and in our own merits. We try to make it happen in our own timetable. And what we do often is we begin to birth burdens rather than blessings. Now think about this with me. Here's a, a biblical example of that. Let's look at Abraham. Again, we're going to get to the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. So if you're with me, say, I am. We're going to get there in just a moment, so stay with me. Abraham in Genesis, right, is a man 
who serves God, who's faithful to God. God tells Abraham, I want you to move to a land. He's like, where to, Lord? He's like, I'll show you when you get there. And he's okay. He's like, I will do that. He packs up his family. He doesn't know where he's going. Can you imagine telling your wife, like, we're taking a trip and we're getting in the car and she's like, where are you going? Like, I don't know. Like, in my house, that trip would be over right then and there, right? Missy would shut that whole thing down. Like, because she's a planner, right? She has to know. She doesn't like surprises or anything of that nature, right? So anyway, I'm just having a little therapy this morning for me. So anyway, it's all good. But Abraham, Abraham, right? He's this man who's a faithful follower of God. And God's called him to a new land, and he does that. And then all of a sudden, God begins to tell him that, listen, I want you to understand something from your seed, right? From you, there's going to be birthed a great nation. You're going to have a son, and a great nation is going to become of that. And Abram's kind of taken by surprise of that. He's like, how can that be? I'm up in age. My wife has passed childbearing years. And But okay, Lord, if that's what you say, then so be it. We're going to trust you. Do you know how long Abraham waited? 25 years before the promise was fulfilled. Here's what happened. He got impatient. God said that this was going to transpire and take place, but Abram began to take things into his own hands, matters into his own hands. He's like, man, I haven't had this son. God said that I'm going to have this son. And so he took his maidservant and he laid with her and they had a son and his name was Ishmael. And it was a burden. He took matters into his own hands to manipulate the situation and circumstance. And listen, that will happen a lot of times in our lives. If we're not careful, if we get ahead of God, God may say, listen, hey, I want you to move in this direction. But oftentimes we're like, all right, God, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to help you accomplish that. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to make these decisions. I'm going to try to manipulate this where that we can get this done a lot quicker because, Lord, I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. If you're not careful, you will birth burdens in your life rather than blessings. And I can tell you that as a truth and a principle in my own life. There have been many times I look back over the last 30 years of ministry to where that I knew that God was leading to do things, but sometimes it's easy to get ahead of God. And I've seen those things transpire in my own life. And I'm telling you that if you're not careful, you better be sure that you're in tune to the voice of the Lord and that you're following His will and that you're not following the desires of your own heart because if you're not careful, you will birth burdens rather than blessings. And so Nehemiah is in prayer. Because here's the thing about waiting. There's two great things that can happen while you're waiting. You need to write these down, okay? Here's the deal. All of you, like when you read the book of Nehemiah, it's a great book about leadership, but it's more than just about leadership. It's about God's power. It's about God's grace. It's about God's goodness. It's about God's redemption and God's restoration. It's so much bigger than just a book about leadership. But here's what I know about you and I, that all of us in this room, we're all leaders. You may not look at yourself as a leader. You may not think of yourself as a leader. But this is what I know. You're always leading somebody to somewhere. You're leading in some capacity. If you have kids, guess what? You are a leader. You may not be the leader at your workplace or wherever, but you are a leader. If you are a follower of Christ, here's what I know. You are a leader. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to be representatives of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're called to help lift up the name of Jesus, to lead people, to show them God's grace. You are a leader. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a leader. I'm not going to make you talk to your other one this morning, all right? I know that was uncomfortable for some of you. 
We hadn't done that in several weeks, so anyway, I thought we'd throw it in there. But you're a leader. You're a leader. And listen, there's great things that transpire in waiting. And here's the two things. Two things transpire. Prayer. Because when you're waiting, we should be praying. Will. We should be seeking God's wisdom. We should be seeking His way, His leadership, His guidance. We should make sure that our heart is aligned with His and that we're hearing from Him, that we're following Him, and that we're serving Him, that we're allowing God to cultivate our heart, our spirit, for His glory, for His honor. Prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. It's something that we don't just do when we need a spare tire. It's a way of life. God's breath in our life. We need God's direction in our life. We need His wisdom in our life. And so Nehemiah has been petitioning the Lord for four months. He's been praying. God's been cultivating his heart. God's been forming him into what he has called him to be so that he can do what God is leading him to do. Now here's the second thing that takes place. Here's what we know about Nehemiah. Not only did Nehemiah pray, but Nehemiah planned. During this season of waiting, Nehemiah put together a plan. Now, here's what I know about some believers, and I've heard this over the years. Some people think that it's unspiritual to plan. That couldn't be further from the truth. There are all kinds of biblical examples of how God is a God of order, how God is a God of structure, right? When you look and you read God's creation, right? God had a plan. When we look at God's redemption, God had a plan. God had a way. We see all throughout the scripture, right, where plans were instituted. Jesus had a plan. He had a strategy when he was ministering. We, we see in scripture over and over and over again, like Proverbs 16:30, it says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, which of you desire to build a tower and doesn't consider the cost, right? If you're going to do something, Right, You've got to have a plan. You've got to have things written down. There's some steps that you want to take. Let me give you an example. I could say, now most of you know that I'm physically fit, like you can see it, right? And, and, but I always talk, I use this, like I, I want, like I want, this is my heart, which you know my heart, I want to be physically fit. I don't want to be tired. I don't want to be sluggish at times. I want to have plenty of energy. But I have a problem. It's called food and no juice, right? I don't, I, I don't have the energy, right, sometimes. But in order to do that, like if I really truly want to lose weight to become physically fit, I can talk about it. I can pray about it. But I'm going to have to put together a plan. I'm going to have to write down my diet. I'm going to have to write down my strategy of how I'm going to exercise and so on and so forth. And then I've got to put some feet on them prayers and I've got to move and I've got to act upon what I know is in front of me to do at that moment and that time. Can I get an amen? Some of you are in the same boat that I am, right? You know this. We know this. So we know that Nehemiah put together a plan. Not only is he praying, but he's also planning. He's preparing for what God has called him to do. Now, again, we can go through the scripture and we see that God is a God of order. God, right, is a planning 
puts things in motion. He puts things um, in his path and brings them together. We see that he has a plan over and over again. And it's not ungodly to plan. I believe that we should plan. Now, generally, you have two types of people. People who just love to pray, who only want to pray and don't put a plan. And then other people, it's like, let's put a plan, and they don't pray. They just say, God, here's my plan. I need you to bless it. And I'm going to go do this. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to do. Prayer aligns your heart with God. God, help me see what you see. Help me do what you want me to do. Lord, give me wisdom about the direction that we And then a plan is, is I'm going to write down, in order to do what God is asking me to do, this is what it's going to cost. This is what it's going to take. This is the direction that I need to go. Nehemiah did both, and he did that during the waiting period. How do we know that? Well, let's read chapter 2, all right? You guys need to listen faster this morning. Okay, all right, here we go. Chapter 2. Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, again, four months have transpired, four months have taken place. During the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. Now, Nehemiah said, I'd never sad in his presence. Now, it's important that you understand what's happening and transpire here. Here was the culture, here was the rule of what you were to do being part of the king's court. Part of your responsibility of being in the king's court is that you were never to be sad in front of the king that you were to be on all times. Whenever you were in the presence of the king, warm and bubbly, all about the king, serving him, honoring him, making sure that he is not discouraged in any capacity whatsoever because if you were sad in the king's presence, here was the deal. The best scenario is that he would just remove you from his cabinet. The worst case would be off with your head, you're done. So Nehemiah, he said, I have never been sad in his presence before. So again, think about this. Four months has been going on. Nehemiah has been putting on a face, but this burden is growing deeper and deeper and deeper and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger within his heart. And he can't hide it any longer. There's sadness in his presence. And so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? He said, you don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And then listen to what Nehemiah said. Then I was what? Terrified. Because I thought something bad was going to happen. I thought something, you know, man, the worst case scenario right here. But he thought to himself, he gathered himself, and he says, you know what? Here we go. I'm going to lay it out here on the floor. I've been praying about this. I've been thinking about this. God's given me a plan about this. And then he said, but I replied, long live the king. I guess if you're afraid for your life, that's a good thing to say right off the bat. Long live the king. And he says this, how can I not be sad? For when for the city where my ancestors are buried, it's in ruins. It's destroyed. There's devastation. And the gates, which provided security for a people, have been destroyed by fire. And then check out what the king said. He said, how can I help you? This is how we know that Nehemiah had a plan. Because when the king asks, how can I help you? Because Nehemiah had been praying. God, help me to see what you see. Help me to hear what you hear. Lord, help me to wait on you. Help me to trust you in this season. Lord, I know that you're leading me to do this. Lord, I know that you are calling me to do this. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hold on to this truth. Help me to be aware when that opportunity presents itself. And in this moment, the king says, how can I help you? And what does Nehemiah do? He doesn't say, well, you know what? I don't know. Like, you ever had anybody tell you, like, man, I've got this great ideal. Man, here's what I 
looks like, and you're like, well, how are you going to do that? I don't know. But I need your help. Like, I want you to support that. I'd want you to help. Like, if you're not going to invest time and energy in that. So when the king asked for some answers about how he can help him, says, with a prayer to the God of heaven. In other words, it's one of those moments, it's like you've been in there in those moments, those seasons, to where that you've been praying for opportunities. Maybe it's an opportunity to share with somebody. You've been going to the Lord because you have a burden for their heart, for their soul, and you want somebody to know the Lord. It could be a coworker, could be somebody you go to school with, could be a family member, but you've been petitioning God on their behalf and praying, and you've been asking God to give you an opportunity. And then all of a sudden, maybe they say, hey, can I talk to you or would you pray for me? And it's like in those moments, you're like, all right, Lord, here it is. This is what I've been praying for. This is what I've been asking for. Lord, I need you to help me in this moment. God, give me wisdom. Help me to recollect what you've been putting on my heart. Help me to share what you've been doing in my life. That's exactly what Nehemiah is doing in this moment. When the king says, how can I help you? He says, I pray to God. Real quick, it's one of those moments. Lord, I need your help. Probably not a thing that he verbalized, but in his heart and in his mind, Lord, I need your help. I need your wisdom. And he said, "If and I replied, if I please the king and you are pleased with me, your servant send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? I told him how long I would be gone. The king agreed to my request. So there's two things right here that transpires when Nehemiah is given this opportunity. And you need to be reminded of these principles whenever God gives you a burden, when God gives you a vision of what he wants you to do. Here's the thing that I want you to remember about prayer and planning, all right? You need to write this down because I forgot to tell you just a moment ago. But this is so, so important, okay? Prayer and planning, when you're in the season of waiting, prayer and planning allow us to discern what our part is in God's purpose. Prayer and planning allow us to discern what our part is in God's purpose. I want you to know that. I want you to see that, okay? God's not called you to be a spectator. God's not called you to be a season ticket holder and sit in the same place every single week. God's called you to be involved. Amen? God's called you to be involved. I was sharing this morning during the first service, I see oftentimes people post things about the church as a whole and how it's anemic and how it's not shaping up to what it needs to be. And I will agree, there's a lot of problems within the church today. And it's really easy oftentimes to stand on the sidelines and nitpick and gripe about everybody that's involved in the moment. But I think the better question is, is that what are you willing to do to change it? What are you personally? What are you personally? It's real easy to say this about church, that about, I'm talking about the church as a whole. I'm not just talking about milestone here. I'm talking about the church as a whole. This is God's bride. This is God's church. This is God's call. Yes, it's flawed. But it's his grace that holds it together and that grace changes lives and it restores and it rebuilds and God's called you to be a part of that. And the question we got to ask this morning, you have to ask within yourself, is what is my part in God's purpose? Prayer, planning, help you discern what that is and what that looks like. So when Nehemiah is asked again about what the king can do, two things he asks, all right? We're going to make some parallels spiritually right here. The first thing that he asks is for the king's permission. 
He said, if it pleases the king, this is what I'd like to do. The city is in ruins. The city is in shambles. I want to go back and I want to rebuild. And if it pleases you, man, I would love to do this. He asked the king for his permission. Now, how's that applicable to you and I today? Because I get it. He's talking to an earthly king who's the king of Persia at this time. But here's what I want you to know, child of God, that you serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus said that all authority has been given unto him under heaven, right? He gives us permission to engage, to be involved, to do what he's called us to do. You may not be qualified. You may not feel like that you're equipped. But listen, when you trust the Lord and you follow his leadership and his direction, he's able to do incredible more than you could ever think or even imagine on your own. He gives us permission. The second thing that he asked the king, through the king asked him, is how long will you be gone? Again, Nehemiah had a plan. He had thought about it. He didn't say, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't have any idea. Matter of fact, Nehemiah was gone. When you read and study the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was gone 12 years. Now, they rebuilt the wall in 52 days, which was a miracle within itself. But he was gone 12 years. He had considered the cost. He's, 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 he's asking the king for something great right here. And so he asked the king's permission to be able to go for the extended period of time. And the king agreed to this request as it finishes up in verse 6. And then he also said to the king, so again, if it pleases the king, he's like, I'm just going to go for it right here. I've already got two yeses right here. Let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Aspa, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates. These are the resources that I'll need in order to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, the gates, the temple fortress for the city walls and a house for myself. And the king granted these requests. So here's the principle. Here's the application for you and I. Let's continue to ask the king's permission to make a difference in this community, to make a difference where he's called, to make a difference in our for his glory. Let's ask the king's permission. This is what he wants. This is what he desires. But we also need the king's protection every step of the way, his leadership, his guidance. And as we do it, here's what I know about the Lord. Whenever God calls you to something, God will provide the resources. He will provide the resources. I can attest to this over and over and over and over and over again. When there didn't seem to be a way, whether it would be in planning a church or just in my own personal life and my family, God's made a way. He's provided what's necessary, what's needed. A lot of times it didn't look like what I thought or what I was actually wanting, but God provided abundantly enough, and he will do the same in you, in your life. Now here's what I love. Finishing up right here, here's the last thing. I love how... Verse 8 ends. Here's what I want you to know. All these things are put in place and in position in front of Nehemiah, not because he's a great orator and he's able to articulate everything that needs to be done and all that he's going to do. It's not because, uh, uh, you know, he put together this super plan. But all this transpires and takes place and is put in motion at this moment, at this time, in this season. I love what it says. And he said, the king granted these requests. Here's why. Because 
the gracious hand of God. Or another translation will say, the good hand of the Lord, the good hand of God was upon me. It was the Lord putting these things in motion. He had a God-given burden. He had a God-given plan. He had God-given provision. And here's the principle for us this morning. Here's how we take this. Here's how we live this out. We need to be doing the same thing every day in our lives, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our families, in our career. Like everything that we do, we need to bathe with God's presence and God's power. We need to allow the Lord to guide our path and to lead our way. He's still the good shepherd. He still leads you to still waters, to a path of righteousness for his name's sake. He's still that good shepherd, and we're to follow the shepherd. And the thing about the shepherd is that he guards, he guides, he protects, he goes before. And listen, even when you don't know the way this morning, he knows the way. He knows the way, and he is faithful, and he is able. And here's what you need to know is that the same God that Nehemiah served is the same God that we serve. And just as the good hand of God was on him, God's good hand wants to be on you. But we've got a responsibility to allow ourselves to look in the mirror. And it starts with repentance. It starts with being broken over where we're at and what's going on around us. And then we have to be willing and available to say, Lord, send me. Lord, use me. You may not be the most equipped. You may not be the most qualified. But I love what the scripture says. If God goes before you, who can what? Who can be against you? When God opens the door, the scripture says, nobody can close it. And when he closes the door, nobody can open it. He's that mighty. He's that great. He's that powerful. What if you begin to invest in prayer, spending time with God, hearing from the Father, allowing Him to cultivate your heart and your mind. How would that change your life? Could that change your marriage? What if husbands and wife prayed together? What if families prayed together? Could that change some things, the way that we think? Well, listen, I get it. Sometimes it's difficult if you tell your kids sometimes, hey, listen, we're going to pray, and they're like, oh. And then you scream and yell. It's like, we're going to pray to the Lord right now in Jesus' name. And then I have to look at my wife and say, you pray. I can't pray. I'm in no shape to pray right now. Can't do it. I get it. It's hard. It's difficult sometimes. But stay the course. Stay grounded. Stay rooted in Jesus. And let him flesh out what he wants to do in your life. Because if he's in it, he will provide the way. He'll provide the resources. And you'll get to experience his good hand on your life. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we come to you today. And Lord, my heart is, is that, Lord, we would just seek you in every situation and circumstance of our lives. Forgive us when we get ahead of ourselves. Lord, I pray this morning that if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, man, our ultimate heart is that people know Jesus. And I pray that they know this morning, no matter what they've done or where they've been, Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your love is undeserving. None of us deserve your love, but you give it freely. And that's why you sent your son, Jesus. And he willingly laid his life on the cross and shed his blood so that our sins, all of our sins could be forgiven. In my heart, my prayer is that if anyone doesn't know you, I pray that they would know that right now where they are, they could just call on your name. They could call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, 
I believe in who you are. I believe that you've done what you set out to do. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I know that I don't deserve it, and I know that I haven't done anything to earn it, but God, I just surrender freely to you today. Here's my life. Forgive me, Lord. It's yours. And I believe in that moment, if we truly confess our sin, I believe what the scripture says is that he truly is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I believe that God can begin to rebuild the walls that have been torn down in your life and destruction that's taken place and transpired. I believe that he wants to bring healing and restoration. And my prayer is this morning is that if that's you today, if you surrendered your life to Christ, then you'd take a next step. Man, you'd let somebody know. You can fill out a card. You can come up here and talk to me here in just a moment. We're going to sing a song in just a moment, a time of response. Maybe some of you are praying about some things. Maybe there's some things that have been destroyed uh, within your family, within your life, within uh, opportunities around. And you just want to ask God for his provision and for his protection and for his wisdom today. Just pray that God would mold and shape your heart and cultivate it to what it needs to be today. Then we invite you to come today, whatever that looks like, whatever the need is this morning, then we just pray that you trust the Lord. So Lord, just have this time, bless it, use it for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.